0: Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Well, hey, friends. Welcome back to another Abide podcast. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our discussion on what a biblical disciple looks like. And I can't think of anyone better to have joining me on this episode than the lead pastor of Coastal, Aaron Sanders. Aaron, thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, Thanks, Laura. I'm uh, I'm honored. Glad to be on.
0: Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm the uh, lead pastor at Coastal, and we founded Coastal nine years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. January 1st, 2012 was the day we moved to the island. And mm-hmm. my wife and I have three kids a 13 year old who's in eighth grade, a boy named Ethan, an 11 year old girl named Ella who's in sixth grade, and then a, a fifth grade, I mean, a kindergarten kid named Evan. Who hmm. is uh, just turned six?
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm really happy that you could join me on this episode. And um, as you know, I ask the same question to everyone who is new on my <laughs> podcast. Um, so, Aaron, what is your favorite smell?
1: I think this is the hardest question. I mean, I, it I- is. I- this is <laughs> it's so tough to kind of narrow it down. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, the smell of armarol. Uh, you know flesh yeah armor on yeah car there that's uh i love it
0: making your car look sleek but also smell nice too yeah
1: that's that's right i mean you kind of slip <laughs> and slide you know yeah <laughs> in your car but it, it also is just it's great
0: yeah that's funny i've had you know the smell of gasoline and the smell of new car but never the smell of like a cleaning it's supply it's,
1: <laughs> it's very underrated
0: I'm um, yeah i mean
1: yeah, I'm surprised they haven't made, like, Yankee Candles with <laughs> Armerol. You, know, you got, like, vanilla, <laughs> and then hazelnut, and then Armerol. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's right in the same family.
0: That sounds like a good trio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <good>. <laughs> well, um, today we're going to be wrapping up our conversation on a biblical disciple. And so for the past two weeks... We have defined a disciple as a devoted follower of Christ who rightly thinks about God with their mind, supremely treasures him in their heart, and obediently serves him with their hands. And so two weeks ago, Chris and I talked about what it looks like to think rightly about God and how that is kind of the foundation for a biblical disciple. You know, we can't really love and serve God if we don't know who he is. And then last week, Emma and I talked about what it means to, to love Him with your heart, and how that is really the core of a disciple, how all of our actions flow from our heart. And so today, we are going to talk about what obediently serving the Lord looks like. And so my first question to you, um, Aaron, is what role does obediently serving God play in being a biblical disciple?
1: Yeah, that is a, a really great question. And as I thought about it, you know, obedience really authenticates the legitimacy of our faith. Mm. Without obedience, our devotion to Jesus is really theoretical discipleship. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'd be like if you were dating someone and and they knew everything about you. Mm-hmm. They, they knew where you grew up and what your birthday was and what your SAT score was. <laughs> uh, and they told you that they really enjoyed being with you. Mm-hmm. But then they n- never actually wanted to spend time with you. Mm. Or, or they never did any nice things to you or they... Uh, they were actually always pursuing other people. Uh, yeah. You would think, you know, you say you love me, <laughs> but I don't see that played out in your actions. Right. A- and that's really what obedience is, in our walk with Christ. Yeah, uh, Jesus says in John fourteen, He says, "If you love me, mm. you will keep my commandments." Right. And uh, you see that theme kind of played out over and over again. That it's it's really kind of the fruit of uh, our discipleship mm-hmm. is is obedience. And in fact, yeah. even the The Abide podcast, the concept Mm -hmm. behind that, I think, is a big part of that. That when we do, you know, worship God with our minds and with our heart, Mm -hmm. when we love him with with every part of our being, the natural fruit of that is to love him in our actions. Right. And those things are absolutely connected uh, with each other. Yeah. Um, But I also want to bring out the idea um, when I think about biblical obedience. Not only is it kind of the, the demonstration of our faith, but it's actually one of the mechanisms that God uses to grow our faith. Yeah. That there's a kind of cyclical uh, mm-hmm. relationship and that as we obey, uh-huh. we actually begin to love God more <laughs> and we know him more. Yeah. As we step out in obedience. And I've seen that play out in my life uh, literally hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. That as I step out in faith and do what I feel like God has told me to do, then my appreciation and my affection for Him mm. and and even understanding kind of how God works in the world has grown. Yeah, and, and that's that's not just an experiential insight; it really is a, a biblical concept. I'll give you an example. Um, Philemon one six says, "And I pray that the sharing of your faith." He's talking about actually. Sharing the gospel, right? Yeah. He says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Mm. And so what Paul's saying in Philemon there is actually as you share your faith, as you're obedient to do that, mm-hmm. you're actually going to grow in your own knowledge Yeah. Uh, of sharing. And uh, if you've ever taught any sort of subject, right, like whether that's an academic subject or, man, you taught kids how to play basketball or baseball mm-hmm. or swimming lessons uh, as you move into that teacher role you actually begin to <laughs> know the content better yeah. because you've prepared it and teach yeah. and so as you get used to sharing the gospel in obedience mm-hmm. then you learn the gospel even better and yeah. you, you get an appreciation for it so right. there's a, a certainly a, a you know a very complicated, complex mm-hmm. relationship between obedience and uh, the way we view God and uh, and love Him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a perfect demonstration of how head, heart, and hands aren't three separate things, but they really come together to form the biblical disciple. Right. It's not one of the three or two of the three. It's all three together. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all know people who— say that they're a Christian, they love going to church on Sundays, and they love going to Bible studies, and they love, you know, learning so much. And, um, but then outside of those few hours a week, they don't live any different. Right. Um, and I personally know a lot of people in my life who have been severely hurt by people who live like that. And so not only is it beneficial for, us as believers to help affirm what we know and learn more and deepen our faith. But it is also beneficial for other people and for our evangelism efforts and just being the example of Christ to other
1: people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Yeah. It's a a cliche, but it's it really is true. And so a, a church that you know vocalizes the gospel but doesn't demonstrate it mm-hmm. with their actions is hollow
0: right yeah
1: um, it, it just doesn't ring true and so we we need both right? yeah it's, it's not an either or it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a both and
0: yeah definitely um and you know you've kind of mentioned uh, some bible verses already um and i think one example of this in the old testament is first samuel 15 22 he says has the lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams and that um i think it's at the heart of you can be obeying the lord um out of obligation and ritual without having that heart peace to it and that is not what biblical obedience looks like. Yeah, God wants your obedience that flows from your heart. Um, a, a commentary that I was reading on that said, God desires reality and not ritual. Right. He wants the reality of your heart um, that then feeds your actions and your obedience from that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you think through the New Testament, guess who is really, really good at obeying the law? The Pharisees. Yeah. And they, they actually received the harshest criticism from Jesus in the Bible. Right. Uh, and most direct. And his, his most probably famous parable that Jesus ever told is the, the parable of the prodigal son. Mm. And we typically focus in on the younger brother who goes off and squanders his father's wealth and mm-hmm. realizes his need and comes back in repentance. But right. Jesus tells that parable not so much to emphasize the younger brother, but in, in the context of that, he's actually speaking to the Pharisees and he, his story about the, the older brother is really meant to shine the spotlight on that hypocrisy mm-hmm. that both the younger brother and the older brother were rebelling against God. Mm-hmm. The younger brother did it by going wild and crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he thought, man, if, if I just take, I, I'm going to get what I want by being rebellious. Mm-hmm. But the older brother actually also wanted father's stuff mm-hmm. he he wanted to get what he wanted but he did it <laughs> by being really really good yeah and, and by obeying and so it is absolutely possible mm-hmm. uh, for us to have the the appearance mm-hmm. of being moral and obedient and servant-like but if we do it for the wrong reasons then then god sees through that and uh, as jesus told the pharisees you've actually already received your reward you know, yeah. he, he says that as they're they're giving money publicly mm-hmm. and saying, look, here's here's how I tithe and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And, and he says, look, you you've gotten your acclaim mm-hmm. in that moment,
0: puffing themselves up in front of everyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, going off of talking about some biblical examples, is there any other um, commands or examples in the Bible that you would like to share about what obediently serving the Lord looks like?
1: Yeah, you know, my my probably quintessential passage, I think, for this concept of obedience is mm-hmm. is in James. Mm-hmm. And really, the New Testament book of James, if, if you had to pick a book <laughs> that talks about obedience, it, yeah. it really is James. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably the most practical book of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And it talks about our the relationship between our faith and our works. Right. Uh, but James 1, through 25 says this. It says, But be doers of the word mm-hmm. and not hearers only what that passage means is it really gives us this uh, really powerful illustration, yeah, of a person who looks at themselves in the mirror, and and Laura, I want to use this <laughs> illustration. Uh, imagine that you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, and you're putting on your makeup, and you realize <laughs> that your lipstick is way out of whack. Like you, you, I don't know if you, you know, you hit a pothole when you're <laughs> driving, and so you got lipstick all oh over your no. chin. And you look at it, and by looking in the mirror, you go, man, this is not right. Right. This is, uh, I need to do something about my appearance that I see in the mirror. Yeah. But instead of taking corrective action, you simply go about your day, Mm. and then you leave and and go and change. That's the picture here, is that uh, the Word of God is... Allows us to see who God is, but also we see who ourselves who we are in light of God's word mm-hmm. and in, in relation to God and we There's an awareness of our sin and awareness of our need for repentance and for change and when we Go through the process of, of hearing the word of God whether that's in a Bible study or our, our own personal maybe quiet time or, or a sermon mm-hmm. so when we hear the word of God feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, mm. and do nothing, then we're deceiving ourselves. Yeah. We're we're essentially thinking, because I have listened, I am better off than I was. Mm. And the truth is, we're not better off until we've taken action on, on we've, what we've done there.
0: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the phrase, you know, f- hear for those who have ears to hear. Right. It's obviously they have ears; they can hear. Yeah,
1: Jesus said that multiple times. Yeah, right.
0: it, you know, He's not saying whether you can physically hear me. He's saying, "No, can you hear me and obey me?" Right. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. I think another example from James is the faith without works is dead. Um, and in, in James two gives an illustration of you know, you're if you're like walking down the street and you see someone cold and hungry, and you just say, "Oh, be warmed and filled." and then you just go about your day and you don't do anything, that does nothing. Right. And, um, and so that's kind of the picture that you just described of, of someone who has a faith and they say they believe all of these things, but they do nothing with it. Right. That's no good.
1: Yeah, you know, I, Laura, I think the modern version of that is really social media. Yeah. It really is. Uh, it is so easy for people to express their faith in a post uh, or maybe <laughs> take a picture of, hey, look, I'm going to yep. Instagram my Bible study today and look, I've got my highlighter and my coffee in the picture and it looks yeah. so good, right? Yeah. Aesthetically um, pleasing. Yes. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's, it's easy for people to kind of posture themselves yeah. in a public way that they're a follower of Christ. And yet when it comes down to, to how they live their life mm-hmm. and how they experience obedience in a very personal way and also in how they treat others it man it it can ring hollow yeah and so you know what a kind of one more thing going back to that original james passage is uh, he ends he says there he says when you do this he will be blessed by his doing Hmm. and when the Bible talks about being blessed, it, it's not a prosperity gospel. <laughs> hey, this means that you're going to be a millionaire and <laughs> yeah. you're never going to get <laughs> sick and you're never <laughs> going to be, you know, unhappy or right. That that's not it. Um, it's the idea of this uh, kind of deeply satisfying joy mm-hmm. that comes from a life lived in obedience to Christ, mm-hmm. and we really do believe that. God's way is the best way Mm. and that when you put into practice the things that he commands us to do, Uh your life will benefit. Yeah. When you put into practice biblical principles for your finances, Uh for the way you approach dating, for the way you approach your job or your Mm -hmm. parenting, uh, it really is the best way to do it. And and you'll experience that blessing. And, and yet when we, we find ourselves being disobedient, the, the opposite is of that is true. Yeah. (laughs) Like how many times do we find ourselves in a a spot where, man, our life is just kind of a mess and you can trace it back to disobedience. Hmm. You say, man, I'm, I'm experienced hardship and pain and, and hurt Uh um, because, of something that I said, or something that I did, or something that I didn't do, (laughs) Uh, and often that goes back to that that obedience piece.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's easy for people to look at, well, if I have to obey the Bible, then I'm not going to have any fun with my life. Like, no, you're going to have the most fun with your life, (laughs) because obeying the Lord is, produces a joy within you that is inexpressible, and you're not going to want to Go back to the way you were living when you start living for the Lord and He starts to bless your life in those ways um, and produce even more delight within you just in the person of Jesus. Right. It's an imaginable joy.
1: Right. And, and you know, I would say that when Jesus talks about carrying our cross, and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for instance, uses the phrase the cost of discipleship, right? That, yeah. That, um, As we pursue Christ, there are times that we will face some difficult decisions that are painful. Yeah. Uh, There are times where you have to swallow your pride Mm. and go confess sin to a brother or sister that you've sinned against. Mm -hmm. And the idea that 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 is um, somehow easy, that's not something that... (laughs) That's that's not reality, right? No. I mean, it's actually hard right. to do that. And uh, but when Jesus says, you know, it's our, my my yoke is light. The idea is that in comparison to a life of disobedience, yeah, it's light. Yeah. It, it's not that it's easy street. Right. It's it's just it's so much better mm-hmm. than a life of hard headed self rule. Right. Uh, instead, you're submitting to the lordship yeah. of Christ.
0: Right. Yeah, and it reminds me of Romans eight eighteen. Um, you know, we can't compare the present sufferings that we're right. going to through to the future glory that will be revealed to us. You know, these the the burdens that we bear um, in this life hold, don't hold a candle to what we will experience when we see Jesus face to face. Yeah. And it's so worth it. I mean it's not easy. Yeah by yeah. any means. And no. people are gonna fail, we're all gonna fail.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that that comparison to uh, sometimes I I wonder sometimes if preachers, if we almost paint too rosy a picture of what it looks like to follow Christ, you know, like, hey, follow Jesus. It's going to be unicorns and rainbows. (laughs) And, you know, you're never going to have hardship or you're never going to get into conflict with people within the church or have hard conversations ever again. It's like, no, actually, that's that's really not the case that. It's probably yeah. going to happen more often. Yeah, yeah. And so, but at the end of the day, at, as you look back on your life, you'll go, man, in comparison to the weight of legalism or in comparison to the, the weight of rebellion, right? The younger yeah. son or the older brother. Right. Compared to either of those, it's the best way to go.
0: Yeah. That's a good reminder. That's, I think, a lot of times we need that reminding. Yeah, <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I do too. Um so how can we practically engage the Lord with with our hands? How can we serve him?
1: Well, I mean, there are almost limitless opportunities to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that was and a
0: very broad
1: question. Yeah, so that that is a big question. Um you know, here at Coastal, one thing my hope is that people will discover their unique shape for ministry. Mm. And their uh, their combination of their spiritual gifts and mm-hmm. their heart and their abilities and their passions, their experiences, and there's almost a, the idea that you're a person can serve in their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I can serve in lots of different capacities, but mm-hmm. man, there's certain times where man, I, I recognize that I'm firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I mean, this is like what I was made to do. I love it. And then there are times where I serve. And, and maybe I'm, I'm doing it because it's a need and I feel led by the spirit to be part of that, but it's not necessarily, you know, what I want to do mm. forever, you know, and right. I, I'll give you examples. So right now I'm, <laughs> I'm leading my son's eighth grade small group. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a group of about six, seven boys, man. I'm trying to disciple those, those <laughs> youngins. And uh, man, I, I realize how quickly I went from being a youth minister to a lead pastor in the past decade. And how out of touch I am, uh, <laughs> with 10 year, you know, just a <laughs> 10 year period, how right. quickly it happens and how not cool I am. And <laughs> I'm such a dad. Right. And, and, um, and so I, I love doing that yeah. and, and feel called to do that during the season, but I don't want to step back into youth ministry like that. That wouldn't be the right fit. Right. And so, you know, my hope is that there w- for the people who are listening to this podcast is that we can help you find a spot, your sweet spot, mm. that you you really enjoy. And p- specifically for college students, I, I would challenge our college students that there's a difference between serving in r- kind of one off tasks, mm-hmm. like one one off kind of serving opportunities. Right. And serving in a role.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I'll, I'll give you an example. So uh, a task would be if you come to church on a Sunday morning and, man, we're setting up, we're tearing down in the gym, and you go to the second service and you decide to stick around for an extra 10 minutes to stack some chairs, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's super helpful. Right. Um, but for the most part, that's really just a task. Yeah. Or if we put out a call and say, hey, look, the 4B Disaster Response Network is rebuilding some homes. Mm-hmm. and Next Saturday, we're going to take four hours, and if anyone wants to come and, and serve in a home for four hours, they can't. Mm-hmm. And that'd be great. Like, all those things are helpful and good and right. Yeah. And, and it can be a reflection of your obedience to God. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between those kind of tasks and then a, a role within the body mm. or a role in our community. Right. And a huge part of that is just the regularity that you're serving, you know, and to, uh-huh. to get into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy, I think, for college students, particularly, I would say, a Galveston. I've seen this over a, uh, almost a 10-year period now, where you can get locked into Pelican Islands. <laughs> and it, it the the nickname Pelicatras. You College
0: know. students, are you listening to this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's <I> mean, true. <laughs> it, it
1: really is. I mean, you get to a place where you're, you're just so used to staying on campus, and right. you really don't get out into the city. And I'll talk to students sometimes who who literally have have never even explored Galveston's restaurant scene or, or done some of the touristy things and, yeah. and they don't even have a perspective because they don't go past <laughs> Pelican Island, right? They, <laughs> they, they don't just leave <laughs> campus. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> Jack in the Box. Uh, <laughs> right down the road. Right down the road. But that's <laughs> it. And and so when, as a student, when you make the conscious effort to find a role in the larger body of our church or within one of our ministry partners, the richness of your life mm increases tenfold Mm -hmm. i mean there's a there's a new rhythm that starts to form Mm -hmm. and and even uh, and i know school can be taxing but you know we need to step away even from our studies to have some things that are outside of ourselves yeah so that our weekly rhythms Mm -hmm. you know begin to incorporate that right and then the relationships that are formed Mm -hmm. is is the big winner. Yeah. That as you're serving, as you're being obedient and using your gifts, Mm -hmm. you're making a difference for God's kingdom, Mm. you're growing spiritually, and then this added bonus (laughs) is that you meet people. Yeah. And you meet people who are not your same age, and some of them may be younger. You know, you you may volunteer with our middle school ministry, Mm -hmm. and you say, man, Aaron, you're too old for this, so (laughs) let me take over. Yeah. Right? Like, you're way not cool. (laughs) Uh, I can handle the eighth grade boys, right? So,
0: middle schoolers will just, worship uh, yeah. <laughs> uh older <Okay>. yeah. students <laughs> a,
1: a college student is way cool in, in my son's <laughs> yeah. eyes where i'm i'm just a lame dad so right um you know if you step into those kind of roles mm-hmm. man th- it's it's really rewarding mm. to do it and i think that's part of even when james talks about being blessed through yeah. our obedience i mean that's part of the blessing and and i've seen students who've come through a church who've volunteered like in children's ministry and we have some amazing adult volunteers who also volunteer in children's ministry. Mm. And so there you are serving alongside someone that you never would have met otherwise. Mm. And you can develop those friendships and it, it really uh, adds depth to the, your experience here in Galveston.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important. Um just, one thing that we really try and hammer home with our students in our ministry is that coastal college is not the church. Right. <laughs> it is part of the church, but in order to be fully part of the body of Christ, you know, being able to form those relationships with people in other generations, um, being able to form relationships with people who don't look like you and think like you and act like you. Right. Um, there's a lot of added benefit in that. And, stepping into a role where you can consistently serve um, when you get to pour into people around you or younger people and help disciple them while you're also being discipled by, by the older um, people around you. That's a beautiful uh, picture of what it looks like to live in community um, and to be part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had mentioned earlier about spiritual gifts and being able to find your sweet spot. Um, I think that, you know, when the church, when the members of the church um, can find their spiritual gifts and they can operate within them, it's so beautiful how they function together. It really is. Um, One person can't do it all. One person isn't designed to do it all. And so when we come together and collectively work together for the glory of the Lord, um, it's, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, it's really rewarding getting to see that and be a part of that. Because you you now know, oh, okay, so this life isn't centered around me. <laughs> right. It's centered around the Lord and what He's doing and building His kingdom. And you get to be a part of it. Yeah,
1: And I, I want to add something there. This is a principle that I don't think I learned till. L- later in life, it, it's the idea that as I lean into my spiritual gifts, right, I want to spend about seventy to eighty percent of my serving time within that giftedness. Uh-huh. But it's unrealistic for me to expect that I'm going to spend a hundred percent. Right. So just imagine the tasks that have to be done in the Christian life, right, in in the body of the the church. Guess who. Guess who has no one has the spiritual gift of cleaning toilets. <laughs> right? Like no. no one says, "Man, that is just my passion. I just I just love it. I feel the wind of God <laughs> under my wings when I do it." Like no one does that, right? right? But people do it because it, it needs to get done. Right? Right? So I would say as you're looking for ways to serve, find a a role, your repeating regular role that man, you you really feel like is in that sweet spot but then don't turn your nose up at the opportunities to serve in ways that are maybe a little bit less glamorous, you know, and, and yeah. in you may think, man, this is below my pay grade. Right. Uh, but, but it's really not. Right. And, and there's, there's actually a sanctification that happens in serving. Mm-hmm. You know, our church has been portable, portable now for about six years total out of our existence. And, um, y- every, every day of that, every Sunday of that, I've been part of our setup team, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I wake up early and, uh, you know, whether that's pulling trailers and hitching them up to the back of my sequoia mm-hmm. or, uh, laying down carpet mm-hmm. and setting up curtains. I mean, those kind of things. That's not in my spiritual gifts, but, right. but it's, but it's something that I want to do. Right. Right. And because I believe in the mission of the church mm-hmm. and, and I understand the importance of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, That that that's just the nugget is is to try to lean into that sweet spot. But uh, let's not fall into the trap of thinking that I only do things that fit in my. uh, Yeah. In in that little area. Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. We all got to, you know, can't just turn our nose up on things that we're like, "Mm -hmm. nah, I don't think I'll do that. That doesn't sound fun. It's Like, well, Jesus came to be a servant, you know. And so that that just models what the Christian life should look like in general.
1: Yeah, and, and I think even in, in the the discipline of service, mm-hmm. the discipline obedience is part of that sanctification. In that, on a cold, wet morning at six a.m. Right, man, I don't want to show up to the church. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I want to go and lay down some carpet and <laughs> get chairs out, like in my right. flesh. Yeah, that's not what I want to do. Right but I'm crucifying my mm. my f- flesh when I'm making the conscious decision right to do it anyway. Yeah. Right. And and uh, so that's part of I think how God grows us is yeah. uh the dying to self.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um I have a saying that I normally repeat to myself whenever my day gets interrupted by things um that is just get used to an interrupted life. Um, I think that's part of serving as well is, you know, we can get so busy with our rhythm and our routine and this is how I, I go about my day. But when something, especially for me who's a planner and I like to know what my day is going to be like, if something, someone like throws a wrench in it, I get all flustered and stressed out, but allowing myself to, you know, if, if someone needs something f- from me or, you know, if, if I see one of my friends in need and, you know, I can meet that need physically for them, being able to be willing to step into that as well um, and not say, oh, well, sorry, I have to go do this because right. this is what I normally do. That's part of obedience and serving the Lord is meeting people's needs, even when it interrupts your own life. Yeah, absolutely. And That can be hard. <laughs> it, it's
1: sanctifying. <laughs> it let's, is let's sanctifying. Yeah. That's yes, good word for it.
0: that is a good word for it. Um, well, Aaron, is there anything else that you would like to share about um, obediently serving the Lord or just being a biblical disciple in general?
1: Yeah, no. Um There's a quote from Admiral William McRaven. I love this quote. He says, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. <laughs> and, you know, as uh, sometimes as we think about the Christian life, it's it's pretty attractive to give god our big yes and our big yes to say god i'll go wherever you send me i'll go to the nations for the sake of your glory i'm gonna go and i'll be a missionary in the amazon rainforest (laughs) you know and there's something kind of heroic and uh, attractive about that Uh, but before you say yes to the amazon rainforest. Uh, say yes to the, the little mm-hmm. callings of obedience first. Yeah. And that starts as we obey God in spending time in his word and prayer, uh, sharing our faith, being involved in a local church, being involved in a, a 242 or a, a, mm. a family group or d- just having those kinds of relationships. Yeah. Uh, it's involved in how you treat your roommate mm, and yeah. the, c- the kindness uh, of not holding their sins against them <laughs> in the moment right when they they forget to put up their dishes and y- you, you want to yell at them yeah instead you give some grace mm. and the the even the unglamorous parts of of just being a good and faithful student and a mm-hmm. if you've got a job being a a, a good worker yeah. a good employee and fulfilling your obligations and your commitments mm-hmm. And so that would be really my encouragement is to to start by obeying God in the small things. Yeah. And then as you obey him in the small things, he's going to give you opportunities to step out in faith in the big things. Mm. Uh, but don't neglect the small things.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I think that's a good reminder for people, especially who are very ambitious. Yeah. Um, you know, can you be obedient with what? you've already been given and where you're placed right now and then take the next step um that's so good well Aaron thank you so much for being here and talking about um just serving the Lord and wrapping up our discussion on what a biblical disciple looks like
1: yeah no, I know, I was honored it's, it's a lot of fun and I hope it's helpful
0: oh it definitely is helpful <laughs> Well, that wraps up our discussion on being a biblical disciple. And it also sets up the spring season where the discussion will be centered on disciple making. So now that we know what a disciple is, we can talk about what a disciple is called to do, namely make other disciples. So I hope y'all enjoyed this mini series. I hope that it was insightful and encouraging, maybe a little convicting. And I hope y'all will join us in February as we kick off the spring season and our eight-week conversation on disciple making. Y'all have a great day, and we will see you back in about a month.